Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Peace in the Middle podcast, a platform that provides clarity, insight, and growth to leaders worldwide through practical application and the Christian faith. My name is Wakia, and I'm your host. Hi, everybody. So, as promised, today we're going to be reviewing Charlemagne the God's book, um, Shook One. Today, we're actually going to review the last two chapters. So this is actually the end of our book review. Uh, we're going to review the chapter that is uh, parental paranoia and the fear of failure. So um, on the line today, I have my beautiful best friend, Tashika Little. And I'm expecting for Fatima, hopefully, to join us a little later in the conversation. Um, but if not, Tashika and I will carry through we will carry through <laughs> so um like i said so today we do have two chapters to talk about so we're going to try our best to um sort of discuss those chapters and so i guess bring it all home just to talk about the significance of the book and what the book really meant to us and and how it has really impacted our lives moving forward as far as our thought process mm-hmm. so tashika welcome to the middle ma'am thank you ma'am i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> so Chapter, I think it's six or whatever. Um, parental paranoia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this chapter I felt was very interesting because it came from the, the standpoint of being a parent and the different fears and everything you go through by being a parent as far as having your own children. But also what I felt was very interesting, how he touched on um, just the stuff you deal with with your own parents. Like, you know, he, that, that section he had to think about, you know, daddy dearest and, mm-hmm. you know, um, the cheating thing and all those things, you know, like some of those learned behaviors that he picked up from his parents, you know, yeah. what I'm saying? Well, his father specifically. Um, so I felt one of the things that was really, really interesting to me when he talked about how, you know, you don't want to be like your parents. You keep, you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, I don't want to be like your parents. I don't want to be like my mom. I don't want to be like my dad. And then as you grow up, Unfortunately, you start to have characteristics that are very close mm-hmm. <laughs> to some of the things mm-hmm. about your dad or your mom that you didn't like. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. But you know what it is? It's because you have a better understanding of why they do things the way that they do when they when you become a parent and you're in the same position that they are. Um, exactly. I think that like some of the things you see as a child, you um, you don't understand because. You just feel the negative effects. You don't. You don't see like it's a good. It's a good decision for you, and it's better for your life. You don't see that. You don't see that. All you see is it means somebody trying to control me and not allow me to do what I want to do. So that's what makes it seem like it's um a bad thing. But when you become an adult and you have children of your own, it gives you a totally different perspective on how those things were handled and how, how you do things. And you were like, hmm, now nah, I can kind of understand why, you know, my mama acted the way she did. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> e- exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think in this, when he was talking, he was like hashtag cheaters. And he was mm-hmm. talking about how his father, how he watched his father cheat on his mom and how his mom, how mm-hmm. his father tried to explain to him, like, listen, one day you're going to understand. And sure yeah. enough, when he got older, you know, he mm-hmm. was cheating on his wife or his fiance or whatever, or his girlfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. um, left, right, and center, you know, and it's like, at that point, he sort of got it, even though he was, he hated that part of his father um, mm-hmm. because of what it did to his family dynamic. It sort of killed him that he was pretty much doing the same thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think about that because a lot of times, you know, my, my um, husband calls me DJ and he calls me DJ Fidelma Jr. And he is oh. <laughs> how I could switch I could flip the switch just like my mother. You know what I'm saying? Which is one of the things that uh-huh. used to drive me crazy about my mom. It's how you go, you know my mom crazy? How you know she would just flip out on you and how <laughs> my husband would definitely call me sometimes he'd be like, all right DJ. I hear you DJ. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's too funny. <laughs> is it funny? I don't know if it's funny. <laughs> but, you know, uh, me, DJ. That's so funny though, because kid, I don't see that. I don't see I that. Know. 
I know, I don't see that. I know I'm trying to tell him. I'm trying to tell him, man. But he'll swerve it down. But you know, he's like, all right, DJ. All right, DJ. He know, got a different view, though. You know, he got a obviously. different viewpoint. So that's probably obviously, obviously, you know what I'm saying. Um, and I'm like, and I be telling him, I'm like, I'm nothing like my mom. Like, I'm out. Listen, I ain't giving you half of what she will give you. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah. nothing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. You got a lot of characteristics. I'm like, you got a lot of characteristics. And so I'm constantly like trying to keep it in check and realizing, wow, you know, I don't want to just be flipping the switch for no reason. You know, because yeah. that is, you know, that is one of my mother's, you know, traits or whatever, you know, and, um, and it's not always a good thing, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. I, I, just in all fairness. I honestly know she's as bad as with that now in her old as she's got older. But girl, you know, back in the day, back in the day, mm-hmm. this was not a game. This was not a game. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah, I just found that to be really, really interesting, and it really made me think about how that obviously that's a thing that everybody goes through. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, absolutely. when you get older, you start to see your, and one of the things the doctor said in his closing remarks was, um, once we realize that our parents are people too, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that we start to um, not only blame them for who they are not, but also um, for who they are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said about that. Like, understanding that your parents are just people. And now that we're parents, we mm-hmm. totally, you know what I'm saying? We totally get, mm, Yep. I'm just doing the best I can. You know what I'm saying? The, I'm the best, best I, can. I can. I am doing the best that I you know can. You know what I'm saying? The best I'm trying to outcome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You might have to talk to therapy. You might have some therapy sessions about this later. But please yes. know that I'm doing the best I can. Like, I'm truly, truly, truly just doing the best I can. The best so, I can. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And then he talked about... Um, he had a little section in there about letting God down. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I thought was really, really interesting. That was a section she mm-hmm. could use that you really like when he was trying to do so good by moving, trying to make mm-hmm. sure that she didn't, you know, that he was trying to smoke, trying to drink, trying to go to Mars, trying to, you know, and go to they weren't together. Mars. That was the whole thing. Yeah. For a future that you wanted to have. And that was the part that I liked about it so much. Like, she had basically said, I'm in college, I'm going to do me, you do you. But because yeah. that wasn't the future that he wanted, he didn't want to do that. So he wanted to be faithful to her, even though they weren't even in a relationship. That's some more crazy talk right there. But I but loved yeah. it because he was preparing for the future he wanted to have. He wanted to be with her. So he felt like he needed to show her all the time that that's what it was. And then the fact that even though they weren't together, if he did something like be with somebody else or something like that, he felt this great, immense, and I do mean immense guilt about it. Even though they were not even seeing each other. They weren't even in a relationship. But he felt this really great, you know, guilt about it because he knew that that was the person that he was going to spend the rest of his life with. I love but, it. But then it turned out to, that's, but then that began to be a source of his anxiety once he mm-hmm. did slip up because then he felt like God was going to keep his score. And once yeah. he's like, I ain't going to never get a bag. I ain't going to never. You know, yeah. You know, he said about killing himself and everything. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I mean, yes. you know, he, he having suicidal thoughts. He going all crazy. He going into this serious depression. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, because then at that point, you know, he felt like God was keeping score. And mm-hmm. while I don't have any things like that to say, you know, to think God keeps score about that, but I definitely can understand why sometimes you feel like, you know, especially for me, where I thought, okay, well, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. Because part mm-hmm. of me always like, hmm, somebody else is watching, and I need to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think as I've gotten older and I've gotten deeper in my Christian walk, I realize that God doesn't keep score. Like, that's not, a, you know, he's not, there's no, you know, you know, he's not doing it to a point where saying that, you know, he, he, he moves on the just and the unjust alike. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly right. So exactly. that is what helps that anxiety, you know, go go a little to the left. I mean, it's so crazy because as I listen to his book, I feel like everything that Charlemagne says says in his book, I can totally understand. Like I get it. Like I'm like, oh, totally makes sense. Now I ain't yeah. quite there, but I can understand why you're there. You know what I'm saying? Some, most of it, he do take things to an extreme. Yeah, he do. He do. But for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, right, exactly. But that explains why he has this anxiety, right? Because he does yeah. take things, you to know, the, in his mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, he is really, really, really great. Well, I'm trying to tell you, he, he is really, really <laughs> going, you know, he got, some, he got some stuff he needs to work on. Absolutely. Um, 
<laughs> but, you know, so I want to talk about the impacts of cheating. And I'm going to go back to this for a minute. I want to talk about the impacts of cheating because when he talked about the, the thing that was happening when he was cheating on his wife, and I love how his wife just stood there by him and how she was ride or die and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he glossed over it a lot, honestly, because it, it we he never really gave a reaction. Remember, he never yeah. really gave a reaction to what she did or how she yeah. felt. Well, and how she felt, right. Exactly. He only gave it from his perspective. His point, exactly. Yeah. And how yeah. much he admired her for standing by him and sticking by yeah. him. But I would mm-hmm. almost love if she could have came in and did her own commentary to that. Because yeah. you and I both know, as women who have been cheated on, we mm-hmm. know that, you know, that is the impact of cheating. Devastating. Mm-hmm. That can the definitely other side be of that. You know, is a completely different thing, and I think that part alone will put you in a part, put you in a place where you're dealing with anxiety. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it messes with your self-esteem, it messes with everything that you believe to be true. It rest, it, it messes with all of your reality. Absolutely. Yep. Make you, you question know, everything. You, the person yeah. you devoted yourself to, the person that you put everything you put before you half the time, and then that they would go and and hurt you like that. The only thing with like like you were saying, the, the main thing is with Charlemagne, but he only he get that part so one sided. Like he don't give how she feel. Or even if she knew. Like he said he was doing the cheating and stuff, but he never even confirmed that she knew. He was just saying that he never like the, the lies was building and that he felt like he had to make the stories more elaborate to, to do this and to do that. And to do that. Look basically that cheating was became so much energy and effort that he <laughs> he stopped because it was too much work. Trying to remember exactly, exactly. You trying to remember the lies he told to make sure that he cover up for this, making sure he had to that this is lie was good enough so she wouldn't find this out. So in the end, it sounded like it just became more work than anything else. But definitely, you would have wanted to know her side. How did she handle? Yeah, it? What was it? yeah. Because I, I would mm-hmm. just imagine that she needed to have her own book come out just on that alone. Because mm-hmm. you got to think. And not only did he not only did he cheat on her, but did he cheat on her in a public when he was already, you know, in his in his high celebrity status. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. Well, you know you get no on. privacy. Right. Exactly. It's one thing to be cheated on when it's just you and your your boyfriend in the hood, or, you know, a couple of people, yeah. a couple of y'all friends know. But it's completely mm-hmm. different when the world know. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And and everybody got an opinion. Everybody want to judge. Yes. Everybody got an opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't, I can't even imagine, um, really what she went through and how that felt for her, like what that, what that felt like. Um, yeah. So I really, I'm hoping that later it comes out <laughs> what, what her thoughts were. Oh, I'm sure, maybe I just decided to admit that. Yeah. It wasn't helpful. Maybe, maybe. Probably. Not no, probably um, not helpful. Yeah. You don't want to nobody no ideas. <laughs> exactly. I'm low, cause I'm sure she, I'm sure she wowed out. You don't get me. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure. Um, so you know what I really liked about this chapter too when he said something is that he was saying how um, parental anxiety because he talked about the cheating and all that stuff in this particular chapter but he said parental anxiety is, is all about focusing on the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, can't this and I, and I, so I wrote I said you know with that I feel like that can pretty much apply to anything that you're facing with anxiety because remember he was talking about he was like well you know, um, the statistics in regarding, you know, if his, if his daughters get hurt or, or a school student or something like that, and he's going through all these statistics, he's like, it helps him a lot just to focus on the facts. Because if he yeah. focuses on the facts, then he can start to weave out what is true and what is not. You know right. what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. And I found right. that to be a really, really, really helpful thing. The way to handle it. I agree with that yes. as well. I, that's what I was saying. Um, I was thinking about whenever I was reading it before. <laughs> it's like, Charlamagne was so paranoid. He had his wife paranoid too. You yeah. remember when they were talking about moving into the new house? Yeah. And talking about the, the movers saw the, the gold records. And when they saw the gold records, they was asking, oh, is, um, is your husband famous? Is your husband famous? And she was like, nah, he just, he just a collector. I said, she, she, he, she told, call him to tell him to stay in the car. All right. After the movers left, I said he done rubbed his paranoia straight off on her. I said, and look, and of course he was happy about that. <laughs> yes, about that. Yes, girl, like, like what in the world? She didn't have her own book. She probably got her own issues. Thank she probably you. Working it out. 
because and, and again and again i say and we say that right but obviously they're living a whole different lifestyle than we've ever absolutely lived. you know what i'm saying I did say so, that was probably one of the one parts that i think he was she was justified in being paranoid with because they are famous and you do have people moving you in and people who don't know you or know anything about you and if they think you got money they could set something up for later so i do understand that that bit of paranoia I think it was just mainly like some of the other stuff with the kids and stuff like that that maybe took to the extreme, girl. Just took to the extreme. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's why he in therapy, obviously. And I mean, I like, at least he recognized it. I'm sure he. True. Girl, you already know the first the first step of, of getting help is to recognize you got a problem. This ain't no game. It's true. And he so, did say he, it took him years girl. to recognize that it was a problem. Years. Girl, I'm trying to tell you. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. So I think at this point we're gonna move on to the fear of failure because I think this was my favorite. This was absolutely my favorite mm-hmm. chapter. This one right here, and um, I think chapter four, something like that. When we talk about, well, yeah, um, the fear of therapy. So the fear of therapy, and mm-hmm. and then the fear of failure. So in this chapter, it is just that you know I'm talking about that fear of of failing, and so let's talk about that. Have you ever felt the fear of failing, and what does that mean to you? I would say, of course. <laughs> Of course. And I think it's different. Um, I think it's different. It kind of go a little bit hand in hand with the other chapter as well, the, the parenting one, because sometimes you can fail on personal stuff on a personal level, but sometimes when you fail, it, your failure doesn't affect your shoe. You know, when you're, when you're a parent and you have a family, when you fail, the failures that you have are not just reflective of you. They're reflective of your whole family. They can affect everybody that is around you. You know, you like, um, I don't think I would ever let it affect me to the fact that I would stop trying, but you know, it will definitely affect you to the fact that you're hesitant about stuff. Say you were, you're, um, working at a job or no, you know what? I would say this. So you remember, um, back when I went back to school, and that was girl you know of course that was the first thing I thought about when I read this chapter so when you when I went to school and I was so gung-ho and I was like this is gonna be so much better I'm gonna be better in my life for me and my children and it was not I went back to school could not find a job in that field I ended up having to move in with my cousin which was an interesting situation for a while it was touch and go and it's like you, you, sometimes when you have so much riding on a thing and then it doesn't go the way you anticipated, even though you feel like you planned it out pretty well and it was a good game plan, you just can never, you can't attain the, the outcome all the time, even if it's a good game plan or, or it's something that you thought out or you, sometimes you just can't interpret how it's going to end. And, and you so, can't account for everything. You can't account for everything. Exactly. No matter how much you try, you can plan, plan, plan. You can have, you know, plans from A to D, but it's plan. It's, it's, it's scenario E that gets you. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> you didn't even think about that because that was like so improbable. You know, that was a such a, you know, improbable thing. Now all of a sudden, that's, a, that's the main thing you're looking at. And you're like, hmm, nope. no, I never thought about that. <laughs> you know, like, nope. oh, that's- and that's what the people tell you. They, they tell you this is how it's supposed to be doing. You're supposed to do this and do this and do this. And when you do this like this, then this is going to be the outcome of this. And then you do it that way. And then guess what? That ain't the outcome. That ain't how it happened. And like I said, when you have a family and you have children that depend on you and count on you, those failures are more, ugh, could be more devastating than anything else. But what you can't do is allow yourself to, to sit there and mope. You know, you get to get your little time and this ain't no game. You know, you get to be depressed for a little bit. You get to be sad for a little bit. But you can't wallow. You have to move on and keep moving because you still have people that depend on you. And so you know what's so funny? Learning curve, that's for sure. Very much so. What was so funny to me was the day. So I listened to this chapter yesterday and I listened to it obviously again today. But so today I, I had class today. And one of the things we talked about in class today was mindset. And one of the mindsets they talked about was um when you have a controlling mindset and so they was trying to say these are things that are sort of you know like these are like bad things I like you know mm-hmm. not bad but they're like negative things like they don't foster creativity they don't foster innovation and all those things and teamwork and all this and when they was talking about the controlling aspect of your personality or the controlling mindset they said there you know you have a fear of failing you have where you where you believe stuff like fear is not an option i mean excuse me failure is not an option everything associated with me must be successful you got to control this you got to control that mm-hmm. and it, and, I, and i remember looking at that today 
and everybody else in the, in, the, in the class was like, oh, that's the worst thing. That's a terrible thing. And I was like very honest with myself. And I was like, wow, I lived over there in that controlling area for a long time. And I was trying to explain to my classes. I was like, I said, well, it all depends how you grew up and what you've experienced. Because mm-hmm. Chica, the moment you experience that situation where you had to go live with your sister, I mean, with your cousin, everything mm-hmm. from that point on, you have literally been very controlled mm-hmm. about how much you're going to do this and how much you're going to do that. And, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because now yeah. you realize that you cannot even afford, really in real life, you know, um, to fail in that area. Like, you can nope. never be in a place where you don't have income coming in. Like, that is not an option. You know what I'm not saying? an option. It um, would not be an option for me to live right. with nobody else in my grown state. I promise exactly. you. Exactly. So you know, because of that, it puts you. No, seriously, like it puts you in this, yeah. this place of control. And I remember trying to explain mm-hmm. it to my coworkers today. I was like, you know, I, I, I said I can understand that. I said, don't get me wrong. I understand. Make sure I'm micromanaging all this kind of stuff from a professional aspect. But mm-hmm. personally, depending on what you've gone through personally, mm-hmm. I can definitely see how you can get to that controlling area in your life because you have to realize. Failure is not an option, especially mm-hmm. if you're in an environment where you have nothing to fail back to. You That's know what right. I'm That's right. Because so once you, you feel like, like at that point, at that point for me, at that point for me, it took me to another place. I yeah. felt like less than a good mother. And yeah. I, you know, for like other people, I can't, you know, everybody takes failure differently. But when you are a parent and you are doing the best that you feel like you can do for your children and then to have something like that happen and do not get me wrong. I love my cousin and I have never appreciated anybody as much as I have her. Trust me. I am not always easy. Lord knows that to live with. And it wasn't just me. It was me and my children and her and her family all in one house. So you know that was let the good times roll. You know what I'm saying? You know it. You know it, girl. You know it. Exactly. I remember. I remember. I remember. There was a lot of retreating to your corners. There was a lot of retreating to your corner. Thank you. I got to be in that room because you got to get some space. You got to get some space. Thank you. That is exactly right. But but it puts you in a very vulnerable state, too. Like, you become very vulnerable. You become very fragile. You know what I'm saying? And your own disabilities. You know, everything is very fragile. You're in a very, very, very vulnerable space. Because it's contingent upon somebody else. She could have at any point in time decided that she wanted to put me out, that she was no longer willing to help me. And then I didn't know what me and the children would do at that point. So yeah, exactly, very vulnerable state. But I can tell you what it did. Just like you said, it definitely made me say that any decisions that I make in the future, I will make sure that this does not happen again. Believe that. And I think, but because of that, because of that attitude, mm-hmm. then it puts another layer of stress on you. Because yeah. even if there was a situation where you could maybe take a risk to do this, that, and the third, you're almost so hesitant to do it. You yep. know what I'm saying? Because That's of the fact that it's right, because you will you remember. Even if, even if that is not a thing, even if you're in a completely different place now, the yeah. thought process of, oh my goodness gracious, if I do this, yeah. you know what I'm, I'm never gonna be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? And I and so let's talk about that, right? So because of that, school has not been an option. Not only that, you know how long I stayed at that job. I stayed at JNS for years. Yes, ma'am. Years longer than I would have stayed at that job under any other circumstances. I never would have done that. Never would have done that. But because I just could not, that risk. I couldn't yeah, take that yeah, risk, man. Yeah. At that point, it was a feel of failing again. It was a feel of yes. failing again. Now I get over it. Yes. And it just makes you feel some kind of way. Like you cannot. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was saying. I was like, it's so many things in this book that once you start to really read it and be like, huh, and if you start to really be honest with yourself, you're like, you yeah. know what? I don't understand what he's at. Like, I told, I, it makes perfect sense to me. Like, that makes that's perfect true. sense that's to true. me. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I totally, totally, totally get that. And I think it was one of the things that he was saying that was really good as far as saying, um, oh, and I just thought about this today, where it said, you know, that fear is a choice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I like I said, I was in this class today and they talked about ACT, A-C-T, and they were saying that ACT stands for awareness, choose, and then transformation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you know, like you have to be aware of where you are in your situation. You have to make a choice oh if you're gonna get if you're gonna change your mindset and get out of it or not, and then you gotta start to do, which is transform. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I was like, so when he said that fear is a choice, I totally understood that. I was like, well, you know. There are some things, like right now, you know, 
if, if you don't move forward now, it's because you're choosing that. Yeah. Not because anything is real. You know what I'm saying? You're definitely nowhere in the same situation you was in years, years, years ago. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't, if you choose not to move forward now, that's because that's just, now that fear has just taken, just completely taken hold of you. And now you're starting to have these limited beliefs of almost thinking like school is the enemy. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. You're going to yourself on the street. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's completely <laughs> irrational. You know, it's, it's just irrational. It doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. It just means that now, but once you once you come to the reality of things, you, you just think that, well, you know what? I'll just handle it differently. This is not a game. What I won't do is quit my job to go back to school. How about that? How about it? How about Thank that? You. How about that, <laughs> What I will How do is continue to work while I go to school. And I will start looking at my options. I think, um, I can tell you now, well, first of all, I'm a different place than, than, than now anyway. I know I, w- I don't want to take no more side steps. I'm 43 years old, and the side steps is no longer an option for me. I- I'm looking forward to moving forward. If it's not forward, I'm not going to be, if it's just a side step, I'm not going to be taking it. Let's start with that. Because even with, at the time when I was going back to school, the money that I was already making, to switch that position, it would have got me in a different field. And that was the reason that I was doing it at that time. But it wouldn't have been made me more money. I'd have been making the same let's do this one you feel. So let's just say now going back to school will no longer be side steps. Here we go. We're gonna make it um an increase in potential. Otherwise that'll be a no man. Right. But but see if and but based off of that, and that means that you went right into what he said do, which was letting go of unhelpful habits and yep. starting to, you know, and, and letting go of old world, old perspective perceptions of the world. You know what I'm saying? So you start to just think of yourself like, Okay, well, how is this going to be better? If I was to go back to school, it's not that it's terrible. I just need to make sure now I go back to school, this is the outcome. This is the objective that I'm looking for. This is what the objective that I'm going to speak into existence. Like, I'm not just going to go and hope and pray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some research. I'm like, oh, okay, no, nah, right. this, this is what we're doing after this. That's exactly right. We're going to make more educated decisions whenever we try to make these things, and you're just going to think out the process better. Like, uh, like some things in... And sometimes you just have to try and learn, you know. But some things just the price of failure is just a little too high. So it's a little too high. Reevaluate. We have to reevaluate some stuff sometimes. But I but I also think too, I think uh, Charlemagne is writing this book from the perspective of being in his 40s or right out of his 40s. Yes. And so as we enter into that age, because at this point that's where all of us are. Um, right you know, you start to see things different and your evaluation skills are a lot different. You know what I'm saying? And you start to trust in, you sort of trust in that inner you, that inner God a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? You sort of hear that inner voice. And I sort of look at that just from like dealing with, um, you know, younger people where, you know, they still believe that everything is, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like everything is just going to turn perfectly. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm sitting there saying, well, hmm. <laughs> it just, they turn out perfect. I ain't saying it won't. I ain't saying it ain't gonna turn out perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, maybe I'm saying it can be good. Maybe it can be good. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna have maybe a couple other plans just in case. You know what I'm saying? That Joe, that first one just don't quite. You know what I'm saying? They don't quite take off the way you expected. I just need you to have something else. Exactly. That way you don't have all to. plans are good in theory. All them good in theory. All of them. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do a little rethinking. Yeah. Just, you know, think it out. You know, you know, you know, don't, don't, like he said in here, he said, don't freak out. Just focus. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. focus. Like, you know, mm-hmm. make some intelligent decisions and sort of think it all the way through and not, um, you know, and I guess, and don't get so caught up in like, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say this, which I guess is a small contradiction, but what's the worst that can happen? Because obviously some good things can happen, right? Some, yeah. it can't work just the way you said it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But just in case it don't, you might feel a little better if you have another plan. <laughs> you know, you have another exactly. like plan B. That's exactly it's right. It's crazy if that first thing falls through. Like that's that's pretty much just how that works. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Or mm-hmm. I think I had read I had read um Stephen Furtick's book, and I'm almost sure it was crash the chatterbox or something like that but what he was saying was I, if i'm not mistaken i, I think that was the book because i read several of his books but i'm almost sure that was the book but he said something he said something about when he starts to have when he started having those that little voice inside of him telling him that this is not going to work out and this right here is not going to work out and you're not good enough here you're not good enough there that he actually um 
oh, did I just lose my train of thought? I think I just lost one. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what I was saying. But I know he he said that not only would he shut it down, but he would just get to a point where he would actually say to himself, okay, well, if if this happened, if if the worst actually happened, how would I play that out? Like, what would happen? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. So he would say he would say something like like for instance he would say like you if you would say okay well if I was going to school now and if I was going, and all of a sudden I was to lose everything what would I do next you know what I'm saying yeah. like what what can I do next and he said he would actually play it all the way out of his mind that very worst scenario and then he yeah. said once he played it out of his mind he played it out then he felt better because he didn't feel as if it was just so crazy that it was just something yeah. he could not handle because he already built in like a side plan you that's know what exactly saying? what it is yeah you give yourself options even when that failure is still options it's so still you don't option. feel like you're totally out of control right even though you realize we have no control in real life but i totally get it you know what i'm saying yeah, like you exactly. know you, you still feel like you know the thing is not so insurmountable that you're not gonna be able to live through it you know what i'm saying exactly yes because it's like you don't feel in that kind of like contingent so you're yeah. like okay well if this happened and it's the worst scenario but if this happened i know that this is what i can do and this exactly. Will be- mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And I felt, I felt that to be like really, really helpful for me. So when I was reading this book, I was thinking about that. Like, hmm, you know, I could, if you always think about that, like, what is this thing and have like, a different plan of action, it won't be as, the, you know, as bad. You know what I'm saying? Because it's scary. Yes. yes. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you're right. It's all about that letting go of that control, like giving yourself permission. Or like what I was saying today to myself, I was like, hmm. Um, I feel like I'm in a better place now with that whole fear of failure thing. But I yeah. think one of the things that really helped me out tremendously was that I gave myself permission to not be perfect. Like I gave myself permission, one, yeah. to fail. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, if it's, well, kid, you only do 80%. If it's only 80% good, girl, it's all right. That's fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's Don't right. have to do it to 100. You know what I'm saying? Don't have to be 100. You know, mm-hmm. um, giving myself permission just to be you know, human girl, you know what I'm saying? Was this huge for me with dealing with the whole fear of failure? Cause I think I suffered from that for a very, very long time because you're trying to figure out all I kept saying is I don't want to go back. You know what yes. I just don't want to go back. I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't. <laughs> like when he was talking, he was talking about those rappers and he was saying how, you know, you have the older rappers who they look at the young people now and how they like, wow, you know, this person is younger, this person is, you know, um, you know, his raps are better, I want all these different stuff. And then they're like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, I'm like the old dude. And how do I even compete with that guy? Like, how do I even, cause you start to feel like you're no longer relevant. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So that fear mm-hmm. of, you know, just not being good enough anymore. And I said, for me, I totally understood that. I totally understood that thing of mm-hmm. how do I keep myself on top? Like, how do I keep myself you know, really? on top. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Like, how do you do yeah. that? And then I start giving myself permission to say, "Guess what? You will be relevant to somebody. <laughs> somebody. Exactly. Somebody. Somebody yeah, exactly. gonna find you relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. that's a, where they are in their life. You'll be okay. Don't worry. Relax. It's not that serious. Yeah, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Mm-hmm. I just, I just think that, um, yeah, that he that he sort of when he talks about this stuff, it's it's just a really 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 good thing. And then he starts to talk on how um, just speaking, like speaking success and how he was talking about how yeah. Tiffany Haddish always just speaks success, success, success. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. And that whole mindset of always being victorious. And I think that for the most part, I think that we're really good there. Like we always like, mm. you know, we've been like that for a long time. They're like always just saying, huh, okay, this is a moment. We give ourselves two minutes to, you know, have a pity party. But after that, we're trying to figure out the next way to get up. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because you know, it's not, it's like, um, because failure is inevitable. And not only that, if you don't have failures, you don't have any way to grow. That's what you grow from. That's what you learn from. You need those failures to make you successful, to know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So you don't have to look at failures as you get older. You don't have to look at them as much as of a loss. You know, you look at them as more of a learning curve or learning experience. And the way you see things is affected differently. And that makes it a little bit easier. Not only that, the older you get, the wiser you get, the more you learn the plan. So when you do exactly, exactly, days when you planning these things, you t- you're you're more calculated. You know, you're um not that you're taking not taking big risks because you still take big risks, but they're just more calculated risks. 
you know? And you, you know still- it's, and you pause. And you pause, though. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't jump out in the street. You pause. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, even when, even when he was talking about that, that interview he did with Lil Duvall, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When he was talking about that, really, yeah. if he would have just taken a moment just to pause, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. then he would have made a different decision. And that's what he was talking about when he was like, listen to my inner voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know. Remember he also said about that interview, it was people never have all the sides of the story. He right. Was in that situation because he said that he, uh, he kind of said, first of all, he is a comedian. Let's start with that. And you always know how they are. Mm-hmm. You have to take everything mm-hmm. they said with a grain of salt. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. But he had somebody in his family that was like that. So it was, it was in a situation that was far removed from him. It's just that part wasn't in the interview. Everybody didn't know all of that. So, and I can't see exactly how you can say, looking back on it and saying, maybe I didn't handle that the best way I can. But, you know, it's one thing to, when you're doing it, you have to look back and say, okay, well, next time I know I won't handle it that way. Next time when I'm feeling that little inner voice say, you know what, maybe uh, this ain't the best topic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We we got more for it. We're going to sidestep that. Right. You know, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you just gotta like I was I was in a place the other day and my and I was um in a class and my teacher was saying something about, you know, what is what is intuition? How do you interpret intuition? Everybody else is like, oh when I when I when I when my intuition kicks in, I just know that's the right spot and I just keep on moving and I just roll with it because I know I'm in a good place. And I was the one who's like, mm, when my intuition kicks in though, it makes me pause because it gives me a moment to really think about it. Like what am I really doing? You know what I'm saying? And yep. why am I doing this? Because you just can't rush it. Like you can't, because your intuition is giving you, I always think it's like the yellow light. You know how like you have like the little yellow light flashing when you're going up, when you're on the highway? It's yep. like, mm-hmm. you might want to slow down real quick. You just, caution, caution. Caution. You, just caution. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the right move. You know what I'm saying? And I, think, I think as we get older, we sort of get to the point where we give ourselves a little bit more permission to, to pause. Exactly. Just think it through. Just think it through. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, and from that that output of that is playing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or yep. stop the conversation, or go a different direction, or mm. yeah. and as a married woman, I know for a fact when that thing kicks in for me, that makes me say, "Huh, pick your battles, Wakia. <laughs> this ain't yep. this is worth the fight." As a mother too. As a mother right. too. As I'm a mother too. You know right. what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. how important is this topic? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like where you I mean, that's one of those things. Because if not, you'll find yourself in positions where you're constantly having to, you know, beat yourself up over things that you've done in your past. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Over arguments and words you've said. You know what I'm saying? When you really didn't have to go there, only thing you had to do is just pause. Yeah. And take decision. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think you learn that until you get older and you older. start to be honest enough to reflect on your real truth. Thank you. That's stuff that comes with age and experience. It just comes with age and experience. It does depend on, you know, what kind of life you lived as well. But just as you get older, you make bad decisions. You suffer the consequences of those decisions. You live through it. And then you make better decisions. That's what you happens. Decisions. And you take responsibility for them, though. Because like, I don't think it does any good if you look back at those decisions and you blame everybody else for what happened. Yeah, instead of taking responsibility for where you played the role you played in it, too. You know what sure. I'm saying? Because Absolutely. I think that's a part of real growth, right? When you can look at yeah. your decision and say, oh, well, I said this. And he did say that in the book about there are things that he looked back on some of his past interviews that he cringe at thinking that his daughters are going to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> but you know, you have to give yourself, and that's what he was saying, and I, I actually wrote down saying, you have to give yourself permission to heart, to um, to heal and to forgive your mistakes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because if not, you'll keep relieving them and you'll keep feeling like, you'll start, you keep feeling some kind of way. You'll keep feeling yeah. like you're a failure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You would never let yourself go forward. Like, you know what I'm saying? You just never let yourself go forward. You're just like, mm. Like for you, if you would have kept holding on to that mistake, you know, the thing that happened with the school situation, you was all this time thinking you was a terrible mama, and that's not a, that's not a thing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just not a thing, so you have to let it go. And um, not only that, you have to move forward because you have to, you're still setting an example. You're yes. still setting an example. How do your kids learn to, to uh, move past failure? Because they see you doing it. They see, well, my mama had a plan. It didn't work out the way she anticipated it. But guess what? She formed another plan. She did something else. And she made that work out. So even if the exactly. first thing doesn't work, doesn't work out, that's okay. That's okay. You just formulate another plan. You just that's keep it. moving forward. The option just is not to stop. And the option is not to give up. And you can't live scared to do and scared to be. 
Yeah, you just have, and I think, and that's what he talks about removing your negative self talk, right? Mm-hmm. You're, um, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you gotta let that go. Like you can't, you can't live there. You can't, you can't just live there, and you can't just just say it at your mouth. But you have to really believe it in your heart, heart that you are a good person, and you are, you, you do deserve the best. And you, you know, you are a good parent, and you are a good wife. And you, you yeah. know what I'm saying? You have to just really, really, really start to believe that, despite your mistakes. Absolutely. Despite the things you did wrong, like, you know, despite all those things, you're still a good person. And once you start to do that and really believe it, mm-hmm. then I think you can really move forward and get to a point where you are in your present place. Like, you're just living in the present. You're not looking back at, oh, these are the things I did wrong. Because that was another thing when he was talking about, when he was in, in Angola, where he was talking uh, yeah. about, he just, you know, when he got a chance just to, you know, be present, like to be yeah. in a present, accepting place. <laughs> Exactly, with a paranoia moments about the racist TSA agent. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, sir, stop playing. I'm going to stop playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to tell you hey, man, he is so his funny. Brain. Take that paranoia to like a whole other level. Girl, Hello. his brain. Seeking out hey. Hi. Hey. Hi. <laughs> We're so, so sorry. Showing up fashionably <laughs> late. Somebody got to do it. Somebody going to do it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so actually, we're gonna bring you right in, Timo. We're actually talking about um, the actual le- the last chapter, which was the fear of failure. And so Tashika and I had just shared some of our stories about you know uh, our fear of failure and how we've done with how we dealt with it. So I guess I'm gonna ask you the same question: Do you have okay. a fear of failure? Have you ever experienced a fear of failure? And how did you deal with it? So what was the scenario? How would you deal hmm. with it? Um, fear of failure. I mean, I guess in some everyday situations like um I don't know not really I don't I don't really think of like fear of failure that often like I don't think about it in a, in a bigger sense of like oh I'm so afraid that I'm not going to succeed at my dreams or my goals I don't I don't know I don't I don't think about it that way and maybe that's from maybe that's from like having um a good support system and like especially like my mom like I always I always remember her kind of pouring into me and saying like you can do whatever you want to do like those those cliche lines but they actually work because I actually believe that you know so I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm super grateful for that but because of that I don't I don't really think about that that much of am I not going to be successful or not have the life that I always dreamed of I think like what I was saying initially sometimes in everyday situations like if I'm about to speak or if I'm about to do a big presentation I won't necessarily feel feel a fear of failure but I will feel feel like a fear of it not being up to my expectations or like people not being not feeling like they got out what they expected from like an event or like me speaking or something and I I think what kind of helps me with that is is reminding myself that like it's not about me you know and that like I'm just being you used and I'm just a vessel um that kind of helps me a little bit but I do have those fears when I'm like doing something like big for like work or like an event or something mm-hmm. and it's, it's so crazy because I'm gonna be honest with you I don't really have any fears at all when it comes to like work or anything like that I'm just not it's it's that just I, I it just doesn't really bother me as much from a, from a, from a professional standpoint but I think um I think one of my biggest one of my biggest fears for a very 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 long time like I said I don't deal with it at all now but one of my biggest fears I had for a very long time was the fear that I was going to um I don't know somehow somehow slip and end up finding myself you know back you know back poor or back back in a place when I'm just, when I'm just, you know, struggling every five minutes and, and can't seem to get ahead. And, you know, and, um, yeah, I just did not want to be there. Even though logically I understood it, it, it could not happen. It wasn't going to happen due to the, the steps that I was taking, but yet still in all, I still have those, those feelings of you got to save. Oh my goodness. You got to save like the fear of lack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's to me. a real fear. The fear of lack. <laughs> right. The fear of lack. Mm-hmm attribute you know to me was synonymous with failure you know what i'm saying that was like the same thing to me you know so when i when i started getting to the point where i was no longer afraid of lack 
and and not really, you know, like not really dealing with that. And even to this day, I still like, girl, bye. You you ain't been hungry not one day. You know what I'm saying? You go eat, like you go eat. You got, you, know, you got everything you need, you know. But I think that fear to me um, became synonymous with with failure. So it got to the point where my hustle, my hustle game, um, you know, just got really, really real, and I got really, really um, involved with all these different all these different different initiatives because I did not like the op, the, the thought process that I was going to not have, that I was not going to have enough. Yes. That just was unacceptable. And that, and that fear at one time was almost consuming me. Like it was consuming, it was every little thing I was doing was you got to get more, you got to get more. And I, I remember telling my husband, I was, I was like, nothing is more sexier to me than a savings account. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Nothing is more sexier than a savings account. Like I need you to have something mm-hmm. in savings. Like we need to have something there. Because mm-hmm. I always realize the fact that the fear of not having enough. Mm-hmm. That's real. Right. That's real for most most adults. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. That's probably one of the realest things you can feel. And it's not about living in in excess. It's not about living in excess. It's about maintaining. I do not want to go back to where I came from. I'll put in too, way too much work, energy, effort to come from that, to get out of that, to to go back. So, yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that for sure. Yeah, and I think that was my, that was my biggest, um, that was my biggest thing. I mean, you know, just, and I, and like, and so, uh, Tima, we were talking about like the controlling mindset and what that does when you live, when you have this area of fear of failure, how you find yourself, once you get out of it, or once you try to get over it, you find yourself in this controlling mindset where you're trying to constantly, you know, control everything. And you are like, you know, saying that everything has to be perfect in your world and nothing associated with me is going to be, it's going to fail again. You know, you're trying to control everything because you're just so afraid that it's going to fall. Right. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and however, that, that obviously the outcome of that is a lot of stress and a lot of loneliness and a lot more anxiety, you know, because that is a lot of stress trying to keep everything perfect. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trying to keep all the balls in the air and trying to keep everything, you know, going, you know, perfectly. Um, and having a zillion plans, a zillion, a zillion plans, ma'am. You know, but, um, Luckily, you're talking to people who are who, who we we've been reformed at this point, so we're no longer there. But we could definitely understand <laughs> talking about that. Absolutely, yeah, we could definitely, definitely, definitely um, understand that. Um, I'm just trying to go over my notes here. Um, and so let's talk about what he was talking about: lasting happiness. Because obviously, you know, in this book, he was saying how because he had gotten to a point of being present that he was now finding places ways to be, you know, have lasting happiness. You know what I'm saying, and um, and I'm always so, I'm always so interested in that word happy. You know what I'm saying because, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm always so interested in that word ha- happy because a lot of times you know you use words like content or you know you ask somebody how they doing they're like oh I'm good you know what I'm saying but the other day which was so so funny to me I had this girl ask me, um, I, I she said she, I, she said how are you doing I said I'm good and she said no how are you doing really like really. And I was like, ah, oh, hmm, let me, let me wait, let me, let me think about that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And obviously, my, 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 my statement came back and still was like, mm, no, I think I'm still good. <laughs> but, but I found it very interesting when she did that because I knew what she was going for was to try to get to the end of, get to the thing that's saying, well, are you happy though? Like, are you, are you yeah. really, really, really just happy? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so I asked that question to you ladies, are you happy? Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy. I won't lie to you. I'm pretty happy where I'm at right now. Um, I'm happy right now where I'm at because I see the growth and development of where I came from and where I'm where I'm at. But I also see the potential of where I can go and what I'm doing. And even just in the right now, even just in the right now, I'm actually at a place where I like going. I like my job. I mean, I think it's a little much to say I like going to work, but I do like my job. (laughs) And that's been a long time coming. I like the people that I work with. My life at home is good. I see my children doing good. So I I have to say, I'm actually pretty happy right now. Of course, there's always some stuff you like to tweak, you know, and it could always be better. But 
for my current state of what I got going on right now in this moment, yes, I can say that I'm happy. Um, so for me, me, I I think like overall, I'm definitely happy, like hap- the happiest that I've been in a while. And that says a lot because <laughs> I've had some very unhappy, <laughs> some very unhappy seasons in life. Um, but I think like what's more important for me is that like it's been consistent happiness because um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point in this podcast, I've talked about like depression and mental health. and But depression is something that like I have faced often you know where it just comes in like these waves and I think for the first time in probably I I don't know how many months but it's been like months consistently where I felt happy where like people will depending on the day because some days I'm kind of just like I'm just tired and that changes everything (laughs) like I'm still happy if I take away like that Mm -hmm. tired or that overwhelmed feeling but at at my core when when I'm talking to someone or someone asked me like how's everything going like there's like a genuine happiness that I don't think I've ever felt in life where like I just start smiling I'm just like I'm just really happy and I almost I've actually had a few moments where I've actually felt like almost bad for feeling so happy because like if I'm talking to one of my friends or something who aren't in a really happy place and like I know that they aren't in the best place and they ask me how I'm doing and I'm like like I'm amazing like things are great I feel so good so sometimes I kind of have to like I feel myself I definitely don't tone it down but I'm I've I'm just noticing that like hmm, like you know this is something that you genuinely feel and you're expressing it and like this I'm hoping that it's inspiring this person and and oftentimes like I'm grateful that my friends are kind of inspired by my happiness but you know I'm just mindful of it I'm just mindful of like when I'm telling people this like like it could be triggering for some people because they're not in a very happy place so I don't know it's interesting but I've definitely overall have been in a very happy place and I'm just super grateful for that well I I I definitely I definitely agree with that and I definitely say that um I also I I would definitely say that I'm in a content I am in a content place like I am I'm very 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 content um and I just and only that I say I'm just I'm in I'm content is just because of the fact that you know I I feel like content is that place that also has a peaceful happiness there like you Mm -hmm. know and I feel like you know my happiness is not is not dependent upon any situation anything happening Mm -hmm. it's just right now I'm just in a peaceful place like I'm just in a really really peaceful you know um place and it's so it's so um hmm. it's so obvious to me at this point that I think yesterday I just was not like I just I don't know I just got up I just wasn't in a good spot I just wasn't I just felt like you know a little mm, I don't know you know you know I'm a woman <laughs> and I just wasn't in a great space and and it was so it was so um incongruent to what I've been feeling lately so it was just huge it was like a it was like a big old just like a light like you know like a red light flashing like something is wrong something is wrong and I was just like you know what I just don't know but I know right now I'm just not where I need to be but for the most part at least 85 90 percent of the time I am really 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 find myself in this very peaceful place to the point where I can find joy in almost every situation Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can I can pretty much lean into that, and I'm pretty much um, expecting greatness all day, every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like I'm it. Mm-hmm. Things to happen all the all the time. Um, but I also realized too, just like yesterday, that I make a choice to be that way. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what I that's what I've decided. I've decided that I make a choice. Like even yesterday, I think it was like mid afternoon, and I literally said to myself, "So you know, you're just choosing to sit in, sit in this space. Like, like this is what you." So this, and I literally said to myself, so this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing today. We just gonna sit right here. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I was like, wow, this is just, this is really just a choice. And I'm just like, no. However, first of all, though, I'm I'm really in a place now where I'm giving myself a lot of permission to be me. So I did give my, myself permission to feel that feeling because I, it is what it is. And then I said, okay. And then I made a choice to do different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm different. And so it's just because I've decided that I am going to be in a peaceful place no matter what's happening. I'm just always going to seek it. I'm always going to look for it. Um, despite what I can see, like despite of me. So, um, and I think honestly, that's how I get over any of the fears that come up with 
any of the fears, you know, any of those fears that sort of pop up or any of those feelings that come up, um, any of those feelings of inadequacy or um, any of my insecurities or anything like that pop up. I am literally just making a conscientious choice at this point to be aware of what I'm feeling and that I am choosing to choose to do the opposite. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I'm just choosing to do the opposite. Like that is honestly, honestly, honestly my truth. And um, it's not always easy. It's totally not easy. Like my husband sort of hates that whole that whole situation because it's like out of my mouth. I'm saying, no, really, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, oh, really? Is that your good face? Like, <laughs> is that your good face? <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting there. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get everything in order. Like, I'm trying to get everything in order, but it ain't quite this. Um. So and and so lastly, he talked about you know eliminating some of your self um self limiting beliefs. So, you know, when he was talking about that, I think the doctor had touched on that as well, where he was talking about, you know, some of your self-limiting beliefs are the beliefs that you have and you have that pretty much hold you back from moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so let's talk about that a little bit, right? So do y'all have any that y'all are constantly dealing with that you sort of have to fight through? And then what is your affirmation? What is your uh, self-affirming belief that you use to sort of combat that? And this is sort of just to help the people who are listening. I got to think about that one a little bit. (laughs) For me, I really, it really doesn't apply. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like right now, I just don't believe in failing anymore. I feel like as long as you try things and you give it an honest effort, you can't fail. So for me, it's a little different right now. Like, um, you, you know, I'm always going to be conscious, making conscious decisions. This is not a game. That's always going to happen. But at this point, you know what? My life is so different. Like things, the things that are important to me are different too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, of course your basic stuff is going to be important to you, but it's just not this, the, the, it's, it's just different. Like now that I'm older, you know, the things that I put value on is different. Like I don't put value on my house or my car and things like that of that nature. Now, the things that are important to me more are how am I feeling? How am I feeling? Am I happy? Am I good? How are my children? Are my children good? Am I still being the best mom that I can be? Am I still doing the, being the best person that I can be? So when I make other decisions, especially work decisions, stuff like that, that kind of stuff doesn't really affect me as much either. It's more like that's going to come or go. It is going to be what it is going to be. As long as I put forth an honest effort with everything that I do, there's no such thing as failing. You know, it just may not go the way I anticipated it, but there's no, there's not really such thing as failure. I'm always going to give it honest effort. So it's going to turn out the way it's supposed to turn out in the end now. So as far as being scared to do stuff now, nah, you'll, you'll be hard pressed to find me <laughs> to try and do stuff at this point. At this point, I'm good. It's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen regardless. So, hmm. I think I I can't think of one particular like self-limiting belief that I have but I can think of like something that I do like affirmations that I do that kind of whenever I feel myself um, doubting anything or questioning anything and something that I've noticed lately is that like sometimes it's not it's not even my, my fear, right? It's like someone else's fear. Like someone is projecting their fear and I, I'll feel myself kind of wanting to react to that. Like I can give you a small example and a big example. So a small example could be like, I'm commuting to work, I'm on the train. And before the train even stops, the person next to me, this happened this morning, the person next to me, I'm sitting on the outside, she's sitting on the inside, gets up like in a rush like I can feel her energy like she's rushed she's pressed she's tense and anxious and I'm calm I'm easing into the morning I'm easing into the day so I'm sitting because the train hasn't stopped yet there's nowhere to go like Mm -hmm. I'm not in a rush but I feel her energy like she's like wanting me to get up but she's not saying anything and she's just kind of hovering over me and in that moment I remember thinking to myself like her energy is not my energy Mm -hmm. and I'm not taking that on. I'm not taking on her anxiety. I'm not taking on her, 
her sense of rushing. I'm not taking that on. And I also do that when it comes to bigger situations, like with work, for example, if, you know, if there's like a tight deadline or if there's like a certain num a metric that has to be hit and I'm talking to like my team or my manager and I might feel them feeling anxious about this number or about this goal. And because in my mind, similar to what you said of, of like, you give it, you're giving your best effort and you know that whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. That's mm -hmm. how I feel about everything at this point. I feel mm -hmm. that way about work. I feel that way about relationships. I honestly, not to get all morbid, but I feel that way about death too. Like I'm kind of mm -hmm. just like, whatever is supposed mm -hmm. to happen is going to happen when it's supposed to happen. So Absolutely. everything else is out of my control. So when I feel that anxiety from other people in any situation that I'm in, I'm always like kind of checking myself and being like, is this your fear? And if it's not, I'm like, okay, you're definitely not about to take this on. Cause I don't feel that fear on a regular basis, but it's like sometimes from other people, it's like you, you may feel that fear. So some, that's something that I do. I'm always kind of like, is this mine? And if it's not, okay, I'm giving it back to that person. Mm -hmm. I like it. I love that. I, I, mm -hmm. I totally love that. I think that, um, <clears throat> I love that. I, I love, I love the fact of not taking anything on, not taking on anybody else's stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think, so let me see, let me see if I can answer that question. Okay, so it's when it comes to limiting beliefs, I think one of the ones that I've been dealing with lately is, is that what I've been wanting to do is um, do something to help my community, whether it either be like start some kind of major food drive or, or do something where I'm going in sort of helping the kids with school lunches or maybe um, doing something on that scale. Like I want to do something where I'm, where I'm making this major impact on um, hunger, um, um, what is it that like little food thing here in my area, right? Because um, in, in, in Baltimore and all these different surrounding areas, they, you know, these people living in these food jungles or whatever, what is it? What, you know, those areas where you just don't have enough, you don't have grocery stores, you don't have any of that stuff. So like yesterday, the schools were closed because of a snow day, but the certain schools in the city still opened up to let kids come in and eat free lunch because they don't have food any other way. Oh, I didn't know that, that's good. Yeah, but it made me think about how I really want to do something um, to really impact that. Like, I want to do something to really help that, right? And so this is where I'm saying the limiting beliefs, where part of me is saying, the one part of my brain is like, oh my gosh, I really want to do something to help that. Like, what can I do? And then the other part of my brain is like, girl, you just one person. Ain't you can do. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, you get out of your blood, out of, out of your whole bank account. That's not going to be enough to really, you know, put a dent in this real problem. So it's like what I've been going back and forth with myself lately is, I know that I have a call of I have a call of action to do something. What I have not understood yet, what is that going to be? And then having enough courage to do it. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I have this this little, and I, and I feel as if I'm fighting is the belief to think that wow, you know, you can't. Every time I hear something that says, you know, when it starts with I can't, I try to blot out the rest. So I can't even tell you what the rest of that is, but I just know that it's like, oh, you can't do this, and you can't do that. And so now I'm constantly having to fight that back and say, hmm. No, but it got to be something I can do. Like, who can I partner with? So now I'm trying to think about who can I partner with? Who can I do this with? And what organizations around here that we can do to sort of impact this situation? Because I really would like to get to a point with the very minimum by the time summer gets here that we still have free lunch programs out here um, in my local area. Well, my area is not, is, is um, like middle class, but um, I will really, obviously it's middle class, but it is surrounded by lower class, let me just be really truthful. And, all, and a lot of us are just really on the cusp of, of, of that. Um, so I would really like to do something where I'm, where, I'm, where I'm doing, I gotta do something, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm fighting that, 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 I'm fighting that feeling of that I'm only one person. And I think that's the limit in the belief right now that I'm, I'm fighting. Because if I go over everything else in my life, I totally agree with, all, with, with both of you that the rest of my life is beautiful. You know what I'm saying? That I'm not taking on anything crazy. I'm not take, I don't have any anxieties that I'm dealing with in that regard. The rest of my life is, is beautiful. But right now, God is asking me, now what? You've got to mm -hmm. do something. The thought of you standing here and watching is no longer good enough. You can't just watch. That is unacceptable. So that's where I'm fighting right now. That, that is really my truth. So... As people listen to this podcast, if y'all have any ideas or y'all like, I'm in the Maryland area, if you would like to partner with me to do some stuff, please contact a sister because I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put, you know, my, 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 both my, uh, my energy, my hands, my pockets, all that into doing something. But um, 
we got to feed these babies and we got to get to the point where, we, you know, there's enough food because we're throwing more food away than we are feeding these kids and these kids yeah. are hungry. And that's just, and it's just ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I am just to a point in my life um, at this at this fourth decade of my life. It's just all got to be about service. I can't do anything else at this point but serve. I just don't want to, I, I cannot afford to live another day where I am thinking about me and I'm taking on all this beautiful stuff for me and I'm not giving any of it back out. And I'm tired of just letting my words, I want my actions, I want my actions to be still so loud that you can't hear what I say. I don't want to have time to do this podcast because I want to be working. That's my truth. So right now, that is my call to action, right? And so I think as I, as I proceed with this next um, segment in my life, that that's where I'm trying to go. Like, that's what I want to do. And so I'm having to fight that belief that I'm not good enough. And I'm, and I'm not, no, I'm trying to not, I'm not good enough, but I'm not enough. That's, that's the, that's the limiting belief right now that I'm fighting. So, yeah, so that's my truth. So well, I think because you said it on this podcast, <laughs> I feel like God is already lining it up. How about that? There was one time. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to do something. So, you know, I think I, I just think that's just where I am. That's just where I am today. Um, so as I was saying earlier, was that you know this right here is our last chapter in this book, and so ladies, I just want to close this. I just want to talk about this one little thing here from the doctor here. It was like something the doctor said when he closed it out. He said, trust in yourself and your ability to handle whatever comes next. Trust that you'll be okay. Take solace in knowing. Find your peace. Better yet, sit quietly and let your peace find you. I love that. Oh, wasn't that great? So I just think that as we end this book, I first want to just thank you all so much for your time. I realized that y'all committed to this committed to walking, walking, with, walking with me through this book. I realized I took away from all your times and I really appreciate it. And I hope that the sisters out there that are listening to this podcast, that y'all got something from it. And um, y'all can always follow Fatima on her, on her podcast. Y'all know the link will be below, but the link will be, you know, in the description. And um, yeah, thank you all so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Tima, you want to give your plug? Sure. <laughs> 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 as I'm not ready you can probably tell but yes my plug so um if you're interested in staying in touch with me you can follow me on my podcast which is soul beauty chat um you can also stay up to date with me on social media but all of that information is linked on my website which is just soulbeautychat.com so you can find me there yes Chica, you ain't got no plugs. You ain't got no plugs because you already said you not have no parties. You're not doing nothing special. So yeah. However, people stand by because I think me and Chica be coming back a little later, sometime in the future. Um, just doing some some little girl chats and everything. And we always bring special guests. So team, obviously, we invite you back to be special guests to our little our little girl chat sessions. Um, oh, yay! Yay! <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, so uh, ladies, again, thank you so much for joining me here at Peace in the Middle. And if you're interested in um, working with me or talking to me, please feel free to reach out to me on waterwalkers.net. Just do the contact form and we can maybe do a one-on-one -on -one session. Because again, this is all about helping you be a better person, helping you find your purpose and your peace um, in this journey that we call life, right? So um, thanks again. And I look forward to talking to you all later. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.